Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, how you doing, Celebration Church? You doing good this morning? You cold? I'm freezing. I don't know about you, but I was like praying people would come to church out of selfish ambition because I just wanted body heat. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I was like, yeah, I want people to know Jesus, but really I just want to be warm. You know what I mean? And the more people we pack in this place, the warmer it's going to be. And uh, well, hey, if if you don't know who I am, if you don't know know me and we've never met, my name is Keenan. I uh, have the unique privilege to get to be on staff here. I help oversee our college ministry, so I get to pastor a bunch of the college students. And then I'm also on our youth oversight team along with a bunch of people on this front row, and I also help with the facilities and do a bunch of other stuff, and uh, it's a unique privilege for me to get to stand right here because I, I, I get to travel a bit and preach, and I try to do this everywhere I go, but this is a very special moment for me because I'm standing at home. I'm preaching at home today. I'm not somewhere else. I get to be here, and uh, I'm a big believer that the Bible says that we are to give honor to whom honor is due, okay? And I definitely believe that our pastors, my pastor, my father, my mother, are the senior leaders of this house, the visionary leaders. Um, they are worthy of some honor. So can you put your hands together this morning for Pastor Brandon, Pastor Chris? Yeah, come on. This is, that's standable. That's clappable. They're amazing. Seriously. We would not be where we are today if it weren't for their faith, if it weren't for their trust. The reason that you and I get to know God better and trust him more is because they dare to know God better and trust him more in their personal lives. And I, as their oldest son, watching them for now over two decades live in love with Jesus, I'm telling you the same people they are on this stage are the people I deal with at home. And that is, that's a rarity in ministry. A lot of people, a lot of church kids run from the church because they see the duplicity in their parents. And the reason I keep running back to this place is because of these two people right here. And I would not be where I am today if it weren't for the love and and grace that they've given me. So I just want to say thank you. Y'all are, God, I'm crying already. Y'all are absolutely amazing. And so, uh, Well, hey, if you're new, we're not in a sermon series this morning. We're going to be doing a little bit of a a standalone message. So if you have a Bible, pray you do. If not, I think we should have it on the big Bibles in the sky. But uh, I want to jump to two places this morning. First, we're going to jump to Ephesians chapter 1, and then we're we're going to read verse 18. And then I want to jump to Corinthians chapter 7, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to jump to two places that are penned by the Apostle Paul And I pray that these next couple moments, God does something significant for you. But first off, let's stop at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So good. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. So you may know the hope to which God's called you. So good. Let's jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll read verses 5 and 6. Paul writes this. He says, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of of Titus. His presence was a joy, but so was the news that he brought of the encouragement he received from you. So, so good. 
Um, for the next couple moments, now that you and I are going to share, I'm going to do my best to preach a message that I've simply titled, Oblivious to Titus. And uh, that may be kind of, kind of a weird title, but I pray over the next couple moments it, it comes to make some sense for us and hopefully be an impact in our lives. Cool? I'm going to pray and ask that God would come in these moments and do what only he can do, and that's change us from the inside out. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so, so much. Lord, you are so good. Lord, I thank you that my job as a preacher is just to try to empty the ocean with a spoon. Lord, I thank you that I will not even in the next couple moments scratch the surface on how good and loving you actually are. But Lord, I pray that you, an all-loving, all-powerful God, would meet us right where we are, here and now. Lord, talk to us on an individual level. Lead us into life. Lord, I thank you that you're going to help us see Jesus this morning. Because we know that once we see the glorious face of Jesus, we can never be the same. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Um, Real quick, I want to ask you a question, real quick. Um, have you ever, like, been so caught up in something? Have you ever been, like, so in a moment that you, you missed something that was, like, right in front of you? You know, have you ever been, like, so focused on one thing that you missed something else that, that, that's right there? It happens to me all the time, okay? And usually I miss things that my dad, like, tries to tell me to go find. He's usually like, hey, go grab this bowl, second cupboard on the right, it's right there. Ten minutes later, I come back bowless, you know what I mean? He comes back, it's right where he, he said it was. You know, I just miss stuff all the time. But I remember one moment, it kind of cost me quite a bit, and that was about a decade ago. That's kind of funny. You know, I'm getting to the point in life where I can now start talking in decades, you know, because I've lived for two of them. You know what I mean? So I'm like a decade ago. So about where my memory starts, you know what I mean? Like about a whole decade ago, um, I, was, I was about 13 years old. I remember I was in the worst place on earth, okay? I was in the worst place on earth. I was at Music City Mall in Odessa, Texas, okay? If you've ever been there, you know Music City Mall is literally the worst mall on the face of the planet, okay? I was in Music City Mall in Odessa, Texas, but I was doing the absolute best thing you can do at Music City Mall, okay? I was leaving Music City Mall, all right? So I'm at Music City Mall. I'm leaving Music City Mall. Praise the Lord. I'm with my, my whole family. We were visiting my grandparents who lived there at the time, and I remember we're exiting the mall, and I'm in this conversation with my mother, okay? Now, this was not your, your normal conversation. This was what my dad would call a robust conversation, Okay? It was an argument, all right? And so I'm sitting there, we're walking out of the mall, and I'm in this argument with my mom. And I remember in this moment, I was fighting for my life, okay? I was fighting for something that is near and dear to my heart. I was fighting against social injustice, okay? I remember in this moment, having an argument with my mom over the fact that I should be allowed to buy skinny jeans, okay? <laughs> we are having this moment. I'm arguing with my mom, leaving Music City Mall. They don't even sell skinny jeans there. You know what I mean? I don't know why we're talking about it. And so we're leaving Music City Mall. I'm 13 years old. I'm telling my mom, I'm like, Mom, I need some skinnies, okay? Anyone who is anyone wears skinny jeans. The Jonas Brothers wear skinny jeans. Justin Bieber wears skinny jeans, okay? I need some skinny jeans. And she looked at me, and she said, Keenan, I don't care what you think. As long as I am buying your clothes, you will not be wearing some skinny jeans. And I hate to break it to you, but by the time you are old enough to buy your own clothes, they're going to be out of style. <laughs> I stand here today proving that prophecy false, folks. <laughs> my dad even, my dad even is wearing some pretty tight pants today. 
told him, thank you. When I walked in the door, I was like, man, God is in this place. You know what I mean? But I was like, mom, I need some skinny. She's like, it's not happening. I remember we're having this argument. We're going back and forth. I remember I'm walking out the mall and I'm, I'm saying these things. I'm having this verbal confrontation with my mom. And I remember I'm walking out of the mall. And as I'm saying this stuff, I look, I look down and I see a piece of paper on the floor. But I'm so caught up in this moment with mom, like, I don't even think about it. You know, I'm fighting for my life, remember? And so I'm going out of the mall, and I just kind of step over. But my younger sister, Brooklyn, who's sitting on the front row, she was trailing right behind me. She doesn't care about skinny jeans, right? So she's just kind of looking around. And so we're walking out. I step over the piece of paper. Brooklyn follows me. I get a few paces outside of the mall. And then all of a sudden, Brooklyn starts going berserk, okay? I'm outside the mall. Brooklyn starts freaking out. She, I turn around, and she is bending down, picking up that piece of paper. And she goes, Mom, I just found $100 laying on the ground. And she's, like, freaking out. And I remember I turned around, and I was like, Man, I cannot win today. <laughs> And I remember I walked to the car with no skinny jeans and no money. And I got in, I got in the car, and all I remember thinking was, man, if I could just jump in a DeLorean and ram that baby up to 88 miles an hour and go back 10 minutes in time, I would grab myself and say, Keenan, forget the skinny jeans. Pick up the paper. I would tell myself, Keenan, forget. Forget this stuff. Grab what's, what's right in front of you. And I know that's kind of an odd story and a tragic story at the same time, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, honestly think, I honestly think that sometimes our lives with God aren't too dissimilar to moments just like that. I think so often we get caught up in moments trying to fortify ourselves and trying to add unto ourselves and trying to fight for ourselves that we end up missing what God has put right underneath our nose. There's so many times that God has brought signs, God has brought indicators, God is dropping some spiritual blues clues as to the fact that he loves us, has a plan for us, has called us, has chosen us, has set us apart. But we get so wrapped up in these other peripheral moments that actually don't really even matter that we end up missing out on the signs of God's love that are littered all around us. And you know, I think that the Apostle Paul, this is exactly what he's talking about in Ephesians chapter 1. Apostle Paul wrote this to the Ephesian church. He says, man, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. He's saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be able to zero in on what God is doing. He's not saying, I pray that they'd be open. He recognizes that their eyes work. He's saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be able to discern what God is doing. I don't want you to miss a moment. I don't want you to miss out on the treasure God has in store for you. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know the hope to which God has called you. Evidently, this Ephesian church is having a bit of a hope deficiency. Evidently, this Ephesian church is having a little bit of a hard time finding some hope. Why else would Paul write to them concerning hope unless they are lacking some hope? Paul's saying, hey, I, I, you want some hope? Okay, you're going to have to open your eyes. You know, I think I find this true in my own life because I found that I am never more oblivious to the signs of God's love that are all around me than when I feel like my world is caving in all around me. 
When you feel hopeless, when you feel like you were in a fight, when you feel like you were fighting tooth and nail, when you feel like you were between a rock and a hard place, that's when it's the easiest to start slowly but surely becoming more and more oblivious to the signs of God's love that are all around you. And if you feel that way this morning, if you walked in those front doors and, and right now you're feeling a little bit hopeless, you're feeling a little bit discouraged, you feel like you are in a fight, you feel like you are in a rough season of life, I want to let you know that our buddy Paul can identify with you. Because if you understand anything about Paul, if you read through Paul's life as a believer, you know that Paul has been through some rough and tough stuff. If anyone has been through it, it's Paul. And no doubt, in the second passage of scripture we read a moment ago, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, we found Paul in a rough spot, didn't we? Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth. He says this, he says, man, when we got to Macedonia, there was no rest for us, man. He's like, the jet lag was real, okay? He's like, we got to Macedonia, and I was tired, okay? But we hit the ground running. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say he was restless. No, then he goes, man, we had conflict on every direction. Those are his words. He's like, man, we had conflicts on all sides. Now, I'll be honest with you. A little bit of conflict gets under my skin, okay? Just one little minute conflict can really kind of just send me running, all right? But imagine conflict on every angle. Imagine conflict on every side. And some of you, you don't have to imagine that this morning. Some of you, you are there. You feel that you, have, or you are experiencing conflict on every area. I turn here, nothing works. I go here, it's not happening. I turn over here, not going to work. Man, it conflicts on all sides. You feel trapped. You begin to feel internally and emotionally claustrophobic. Paul says, man, I've got conflicts on all sides. But then he begins to elaborate as to what these conflicts look like. He says, man, we had, some, we had some battles on the outside. Those are his words. He's like, man, we had battles on the outside. And I had to ask myself, man, what are, what are these battles on, on the outside? And no doubt, these battles are people. They are people opposing Paul's message. They are people opposing Paul's ministry. They are people opposing Paul's mandate. He's saying, man, we had some people coming against us. They maligned us. They betrayed us. They marginalized us. They abused us, maybe even physically. We had conflicts and battles on the outside. Man, he feels like he's in the middle of World War, World War III. But as if that wasn't enough, Paul goes on to say, he's like, we have, we're restless. We've got conflicts on every direction. We got some battles on the outside. I feel like I'm in World War III, but then he drops this and he says, not only do I feel like I'm in World War III, if I'm going to be honest with you, I'm in the middle of World War Me. Because then he says this, we had battles on the outside, but he goes, I'm dealing with some real fear on the inside. I'm scared to death of what is happening all around me. And maybe you feel like you are right there this morning. Maybe you walked in here today. And 2018 looks way more daunting than it does delightful. Maybe you walked in here and you'd be honest, man, I'm not exactly excited to close the door on a year and trust God into the unknown. I'm staring down the barrel of something new. I am on the precipice of something brand new. And if I'm going to be honest, 
I'm a little, I'm a little scared. Paul says, man, I'm going to be honest. I'm afraid. Paul has this moment of absolute raw and gut-wrenching honesty, doesn't he? And you know what that tells me? If the Holy Spirit would allow Paul to have a moment of raw honesty and allow it to make it into Scripture, that tells me that you and I have permission to be honest as well. You know you have permission to be honest? You know, one of the things we say here all the time at Celebration Church, we ask these two questions. We say, where are you and which way forward from here? Those are the big questions we ask when making disciples and trying to get people to understand their relationship with God better. Where are you and which way forward from here? We've got to learn how to be real. We've got to learn how to be honest. This is about walking by faith, not by fake. This isn't about faking it till you make it. This is about recognizing where I actually am. Because you know what? It's not until you recognize where you actually are that God can meet you right there and turn your entire situation around. We've got to learn how to be real. We've got to learn how to be honest. Paul has this moment of of real honesty. But I love that he doesn't stop right there. He goes, man, I'm, I'm restless. I've got some conflict. I've got some battles and I've got some fear. But then he says this. He says, but God, and if you know me, man, you know I love anywhere I can find a but God in Scripture. Because anytime you are ready to be real, God will always butt his way into your story. Every time you're ready to be real about where you actually are and drop the facade and say, God, this is what you're working with. You know you are not a surprise to God. You know, the skeletons in your closet, they may surprise your neighbor, but they do not surprise your Savior. Anytime you're ready to drop the facade and be real about where you actually are, God will always meet you right there. Right in that broken place, he will butt his way into your story. He says, but God, who encourages those who are discouraged. Do you know that's the God you serve? Do you know that you serve the God who encourages those who are discouraged? You don't serve the God who comes to kick people while they're down. You don't serve the God who wants to throw your sin in your face. No, you serve the God who says, no, I'll throw your sin as far as the east is from the west. I will remember it no more. Come here and find reprieve, find relief. I am the God who wants to encourage you. He says, but but God who encourages those who are discouraged, encourage us by the arrival of, and at this moment, I am like totally jazzed, okay? Because I'm sitting there and I'm reading and I'm like seeing Paul in this moment. He's had this tragedy. He, he's in a restless time. He's got conflicts. He's got battles all around him. He's got fear. But then he goes, but God, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a recipe, okay? We are about to take this thing to a whole nother level. You know, I hear the organ being hit. I can hear the choir coming in. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Like this is... You know what I'm saying? We're about to have church. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is about to get lit. You know what I mean? Like, this is awesome. And so I'm seeing the trajectory of where this is going. And I read my Bible like I kind of anticipate sometimes of what's going to happen. And so I see Paul, and he's saying, but God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of, and I'm expecting Paul to drop something supernatural. You know what I mean? Like, I'm expecting him to be, Say, like, an earthquake. You know, because I've read Acts 16, 25. 
And if you're not familiar, in Acts 16, 25, Paul was in a low moment. He got thrown in jail with his buddy Silas for preaching the gospel. And in that moment, at, the, at midnight, God met him and brought a Richter scale topping earthquake to bust him out of his jail. Something absolutely supernatural happened when Paul was at his lowest moment. Again, we read in, in Acts 28, Paul's in a, a low moment again. He is shipwrecked on an island called Malta. And he's standing there on an island trying to build a little fire to stay warm. And while he is building a fire, a snake, a viper, jumps out of the fire and bites him on the hand. And what does Paul do? Paul just shakes it off. He pulls a Taylor Swift on us and just shakes it off right back into the fire. Just shakes it right off. And you know, the, the villagers that lived on the island of Malta, they were expecting Paul to swell up and die. And when he did it, they saw it as such a supernatural sign of divine love that they tried to make Paul himself a god. Paul, over and over in his lowest moment, has seen the supernatural hand of God come through time and time again. So I find Paul in this low moment, and I'm thinking, man, God's about to do something crazy. I'm ready. And so he says, but God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. And I'm like, buzzkill. You know what I mean? Like, I just... Titus? Like what? Where did he come from? All of a sudden, little Titus walks up in to the story. So now I'm having to ask myself, like, okay, who's Titus? All right? Like, who's this dude? All right? Something in like, what is this? Like an, like a, an Old Testament prophet? You know what I mean? Is this like a Mount Transfiguration type thing where we see like, you know, Obi-Wan coming to meet Luke Skywalker in the Dagobah system? You know, like, what is this? Like an apparition type thing, this, this Old Testament figure? But it's not an Old Testament figure. Okay, maybe it's like a mentor to Paul. Like maybe it's like if I was in a rough spot and my dad was to walk in, I'd be like, oh, praise God, dad's here. Can you fix it all? You know what I mean? Like it's my spiritual dad. But no, no, no. Titus is not a mentor to Paul. Paul, in fact, is a mentor to Titus. So what we have here is essentially Paul's little spiritual son walks up in to the story. But you know what absolutely amazes me is that when it would have been the easiest thing in the world for Paul to just kind of excuse it away, he's restless, he's got conflict, he's got battles, and he's got fear, and now all of a sudden I've got to care and pray for my little spiritual son. No, 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 Paul doesn't see it that way. Titus walks into the story, and Paul goes, oh my gosh, you are a sign that God loves me. Titus walks up into the story, and Paul sees his arrival not as an annoyance, like, oh my gosh, everybody wants me to pray for them, but who's going to pray for me, you know? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't see it that way. No, he says, oh my Lord, God loves me so much that he would send you up into this mess to be with me, I remember I'm reading this just a few weeks ago, and I'm just diving in, and I remember I'm, I'm seeing this, and I'm amazed that, that Paul recognizes the gift that is in Titus, that, that this is not just a normal person. He sees that there's a God on the inside of him, that there's a purpose for him being in his life. And I remember God just sitting there and asking me, and I, I, don't, I don't like to say that a whole, whole lot. I think that, that that's kind of abused sometimes, that God said this to me, you know. But I've really felt like the Spirit of God said to me, Kenan, it's cool that Paul saw Titus, but are you seeing the Tituses in your life? Because he's there. 
all of a sudden in that moment, I just began to cry, man, because all of a sudden faces just began to come to my mind of people in my life that I've taken for granted, people in my life that have just kind of been there. They're just kind of silhouettes. They're just kind of shapes. They're just kind of littering my world. And I felt like God was asking me, have you been oblivious to the signs of my love that talk to you, that interact with you day in and day out? I think sometimes we pray these prayers like, God, I just need some encouragement. God, I need you to do something. And when God does something super normal rather than something supernatural, we're like, okay, guess he didn't hear me. God's like, I answered your prayer. He's sitting two seats away. I want to ask you, are you seeing the Tituses in your life? I want to, this is a big deal to me lately. I've just been, I don't know, I've just, it's just been like the season of life I've been in. But I don't want to live my life anymore staying oblivious to the signs of God's love that are all around me. When God is trying to get the message across to me, Kenan, I love you. And if you would look up and look two people away, you would see that. Paul writes this. He said this in the, to the church at Ephesus. He says, man, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know the hope to which God has called you. And then he says this. So or he says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. In his holy people. That's where the hope is. As long as you and I are pushing each other to the peripheral, as long as you and I are pushing each other to the fringe, as long as you and I keep boxing each other out of our worlds, no wonder we're going to be filled with absolute dread and despair. God's saying, if you could dare to look up, if you could dare to look at people and try to find me in them, maybe your world would change. The second question I felt like I was asking this, this passage was, not only are you seeing the Tituses in your world, but I felt like God asked me, and I want to ask you this morning, it's one thing to see and recognize the Tituses that are in your life, the gifts of God that are in your life, but are you being a Titus to your world? Like, it's great to recognize the people that serve as an indicator. Like, wow, you, you're an indicator that God loves me, that he has a plan for me. Every time I get around you, I'm just reminded that, I'm, that my pulse has a purpose and I'm full of potential. Wow, thanks. You know what I mean? Like, that's amazing. But the next place we've got to take this thing is it's not just seeing the Tituses. It's, it's being the Tituses. Because, you know, Titus had a choice in this, didn't he? Titus willfully walked in. To Paul's broken, jacked up situation. And he didn't walk in and be like, ah, this is bad. You know, like, I'm going to pull a Jonah. I'm going to sit on that hill and just kind of watch this thing fall apart. See you later. You know what I mean? Like, I just kind of showed up to be obedient to God. Did that. Check. You know what I mean? Like, no. He walked up in there. And he began to change some things. His spirit, his countenance was different. It made an impact. He left Paul better than he found him. Are you leaving your world better than you're finding it? When you walk up into people's life, would they count you as a conflict or a battle on the outside? Or would they say, man, you are a sign that God is with me. He is for me. He's in the midst of this, that no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. That God, he's here. Do people walk up with you or do they count you as, as a sign that God loves them? And about this moment, we got to ask ourselves this last important question. How in the world are we supposed to do this? Like if I'm sitting there and I'm feeling God asking me this and he, I'm just like, man, how is this supposed to happen? 
How am I supposed to live that way? That's cool that Titus just was kind of that dude, okay? But I'm not, all right? Like, I don't think I've got the goods. But I, wanna, I want us to look back real quickly, and I promise I'm wrapping this up. I want us to look back one moment to the way Paul describes Titus. He says this, he said this, he says, his presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he had received from you. His presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought. He brought good news. His presence is joy, and he brings good news. Does this sound eerily familiar? Does this sound similar to anybody we might know that maybe the entire Bible is trying to point us to? I want us to go to a passage of scripture, and if you've been around Celebration Church for any length of time, you know this passage because we bring it up all the time. It's in Luke. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And this is Jesus quoting the prophet Isaiah, but he's talking about himself here. And he says this, he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Galatians tells us that the spirit, when the Holy Spirit gets on you, it looks like love, joy. Now, when the Holy Spirit gets on you, it looks like joy. So what Jesus is saying is the spirit of joy is on me. And he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. I don't think Titus is simply just kind of being Titus in this moment. I don't think that this is about you and I just trying to be the best versions of ourselves in this year. No, I think this is about you and I willfully getting out of the way and allowing Jesus to be who he is in and through us. That's what it's about. This isn't about us getting more militant. This isn't about us getting more determined. I'm going to love people the best I can. I don't want to love people the best I can. I want to love people the best Jesus can. And the way I do that is I got to get myself out of the way. And I got to let Jesus be Jesus. But the way I do that is I've got to continually look to Jesus. That's what it's all about. This isn't about are you seeing Titus in your world and are you being Titus in your world. The real question is are you seeing Jesus in your world? And are you being Jesus to your world? That's what this is about. This year, 2018, it's not going to change our lives, our families, our school systems, our country. It's not going to change by us simply just trying to get a little self-improvement and kind of be as joyful as we possibly can and talk about some, eh, it's, 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 it's okay news. It's maybe not good news, but it's all right. No, it's about us saying, Jesus, help. Let me be a sign of your love to the world around me. And the way we do that is we've got to open up our eyes to see the signs of his love that are all around us. My bottom line is this. You can't be what you don't see. You can't be what you don't see. And if you want to look more like Jesus this year, you're going to have to look more to Jesus. Because the more you look to Jesus, the more you will look like Jesus. And that's what this world needs. The world doesn't need a better version of you. It just simply needs you to allow Jesus be who he is. That's what it's about. And this morning, you may be there. Maybe this, is, maybe this right now is kind of a Titus moment for you. 
that you could kind of just let it slide into the peripheral. You could just kind of let it slide under the back burner. But this right here, this moment, seemingly insignificant, is yet again a sign of how much God loves you. That he would put somebody in front of you to remind you of his love, of his nearness, of his grace. And right now, I just kind of want to create a quiet moment. Kind of bring this down. But if you're in here, and you would say, Keenan, I, I don't know Jesus. That's great. I, I am. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm experiencing some battles, and I'm experiencing some fear. I want to let you know, battles and fear do not disqualify you from God's love. In fact, they kind of qualify you. So if you're right there, if you would say, Keenan, I'm experiencing some real stuff, and I see this moment. This is a sign of God's love that he would have me here on this on this December 31st, 2017, that I would yet again hear the good news that God loves me, he saved me, he set me apart, he has chosen me, he wants me to be his child, he wants me to have newness of life and spend it forever with him. If you would say, Keenan, I, I, need, I need Jesus. When I count to three, I'd just like you to simply raise your hand. And nobody's looking, nobody's looking around, every head's bowed, every eye closed. This is a special moment between you and Jesus. If you'd say that's you, you'd say, Keenan, I, I, need, I need that. I need that grace. I need that love. I need Jesus to meet me right where I am. I'm ready to be honest. If you'd say that's you, when I count to three, just shoot your hand up. One, God loves you. Two, now is your moment. Three, if that's you, yes, 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 yes. Hands going up literally all over this place. Man, all of heaven is throwing a party right now. Oh, my goodness. So good. Thank you so much. That's a huge step. I'm so proud of you. I'm just going to say a quick prayer, and then I'm going to pray, and we'll be dismissed. Thank you all so much for braving the, the weather and coming to church this morning. I pray it was encouraging to you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for these people. Lord, they're people that you love. Lord, I thank you that you've met them right where they are. But, Lord, you're so good that you'll meet us right where we are, but you're also so good that you're not going to leave us there. And Lord, I pray that you would continually, daily guide each and every single one of us, those that have raised our hands and those who have raised our hands a long time ago, Lord, that we'd come to know you in a deeper way, in a truer way, so that we may live deeper and live truer and be who we were called to be. I thank you right now. I thank you that they are heaven ready right where they sit. They don't have to do another thing. Lord, you did everything. I thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet real quick? We're going to pray and we're going to be dismissed. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. So good. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for this amazing church, this amazing community. Lord, San Angelo is so blessed. We have so many amazing churches and communities here. And Lord, I thank you for this one. Lord, I thank you for this lighthouse Lord, I thank you for the city set on a hill that, Lord, that Celebration Church would continually shine brighter. And Lord, I thank you that what makes Celebration Church isn't the leadership, it isn't the band, it isn't this facility, but, Lord, it's the people that occupy these seats because you occupy their hearts. And, Lord, I pray that as you continually take more ground in us, we would take more ground in our city. I just thank you for that so much, Lord. I just call these people blessed. I thank you that 2018 is going to be a year of favor. It's going to be a year of provision. It's going to be a year of grace. And, Lord, I thank you it's going to be a year of revelation. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you. We honor you. We adore you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you so much. Thank you for being here today. You guys are incredible.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.